Well, it's really good to be with you all this morning. Um, probably going to get emotional a couple of times seeing your faces. For those of you who I haven't met, my name's Susanna Hoke, and I was the director of family ministry for a couple years here at Emmanuel. I um, started pre-COVID, and then we we survived Zoom together for however many months, and it's really good to be back with you all. I left uh, my time here to take a job at UPC, University Presbyterian Church, just down the road from us, But then, and loved that, but then just this last couple, a couple months ago, I actually started working full-time at our kids' school, Kings, so I'm the campus pastor for kindergarten through 12th there, and really glad to be synced up. I don't know that they're glad, but I'm really glad to be so synced up with my kids and their schedule and rhythm, and it also freed me up on this Sunday morning to come and be with you all. It helps, too, that I feel like I love how you guys, the space you create for God to move and what the order of worship looks like. And so as I read what Dave had put together and the title of this sermon, The Promise of Light, I thought, how can I say no to that and the opportunity to come and reflect on the goodness of this promise that we have of Jesus, the light of the world. So for context, I was thinking about, you know, what a promise for us to hold on to, this promise of light. And as I thought about John, who wrote our passage that we'll read here in a minute or so in Revelation, I thought, man, I wonder if that was what he was doing as he sat in exile on the island of Patmos, if he was holding on to that promise of light. So we think about John's life, you know, he grew up longing for the Messiah. He grew up hearing the whisper of this promise that the Messiah would come, that a king would come in the lineage of David to rescue the world. And he grew up waiting for that and waiting and waiting and waiting. And that he was one of a few that got to see that promise fulfilled. He walked with Jesus. He saw the light of the world come, be born in the flesh, and he walked with Jesus. And then after just a few short years, he became a waiting person again. Jesus ascended and he got back into this moment, this lifestyle of waiting, of waiting for Jesus to come back. When he wrote these words in Revelation, things were not going well for the people of God. The church was facing a lot of persecution, very severe persecution. He was exiled to this island. He was out of the game, right? And he went from having this encounter with Jesus for these three years to now being an exiled person and waiting on this island. And I thought, man, I wonder if he was holding on to this idea of the promise of light as he had this vision and wrote these words down that we're going to read in Revelation 22. So let me pray as we turn to those words, as we prepare to turn to those words. So Father of lights, Jesus, the light of the world. Holy Spirit, who is here among us, we pray this morning that you would illuminate these words. We thank you that you desire for us to know you. We thank you that you reveal yourself to us. You speak to us. We pray this morning that you would open our eyes to see you. You would open our ears that we might hear you. You would soften our hearts that we could receive the word that you have for us this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would refine us by your light. We pray you that, that you would warm us with your light. 
We pray that you would encourage us, you would do the work that you desire to do in us and among us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the text for this morning is from Revelation 22, verses 1 through 7. I'm used to talking to kids now, so I'll say that's in the back of your Bible. Go to the end and then flip forward a few pages. So we're on page 1008. And this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the, na- of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord their God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. For the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So one of the things that I learned really profoundly during my time with you all at Emmanuel is the meaning of Advent. Some of it was probably being newer to Seattle and the darkness that descends on us this time of year, but also just liturgically the richness of the Advent season, the season of waiting. So I learned this beauty of this dynamic between Christmas and the celebration of Christmas and Advent, this series of this season where we're really leaning into the promise of light in the midst of darkness. At Christmas, we celebrate the great news that Jesus has come. But in Advent, we remember the promise that Jesus will come again. Christmas is a season that's full of joy and wonder, a time when we celebrate the good news of Emmanuel, God with us, the light of the world coming to live among us. Advent is full of longing and full of waiting. It's a time when we recognize, we allow ourselves to make some space for our doubt, for our disappointment and the darkness that surrounds us often as we wait for the light of the world to come again. Christmas declares the already of the kingdom of God. Christmas declares the way that God has come that his kingdom and his reign is already here at work on earth. But Advent declares the not yet of the coming kingdom of God, that the fullness of God's presence and God's reign is not yet here for the whole world. As followers of Jesus, we are living in what theologian George Ladd calls the presence of the future. We're living in the presence of what will fully be in the future. We're living in this space of the already, but the not yet of the kingdom of God. And I think this may just naturally happen with age where we're leaning. I'm feeling the weight a little bit more of the not yet. But it seems to be that that's what our culture, our society, our city, our world is maybe feeling the weight of a little bit more right now. 
the weight of the not yet of the kingdom of God. I was at a grocery store the other day and I saw this caught my eye on a magazine shelf. It's a picture of a hand reaching out of water. And these are the words, don't give up. And it kind of took my breath away when I saw this at just some random grocery store, the Seattle Magazine, this image with these words, don't give up. I got a little teary because I thought, wow, what a profound thing to place on the cover of a magazine. This call to not give up. I felt sad by this, but I also felt strangely comforted with this idea that I'm not alone in feeling that sense, needing to hear those words, don't give up. This seems to be where we're at collectively. And I imagine that's where we're at at different points in our own personal life, all of us sitting in this room. We have, maybe it's the full season that we're living in. Maybe it's just glimpses of that. We need to hear these words, don't give up, as we sit in the reality of the not yet of the kingdom of God. I think many of us are feeling this weight of waiting. As I found myself strangely comforted by this image and the solidarity that I felt in that, I also found myself comforted when I thought about John. I thought about how many people were awaiting people waiting for Jesus to arrive the first time. This is the state of how the people of God were in as they were waiting for the Messiah to come. The Old Testament ends with word after word of prophecy about the rescue that was to come. This is what we read in these words of Isaiah this morning. This prophetic word, the light is coming. Book after book, page after page in the Old Testament is filled with all of these words of promise. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Don't give up hope. And 400 years of silence. Many, many generations of people who were waiting. And I would imagine that many of them had given up hope. And yet others had eyes to see the promise fulfilled because the Messiah did come. We think about Simeon and Anna who saw Jesus. We think about Mary and Joseph who were there right at the first moment, the angels, the shepherds, all of these people who saw this promise fulfilled, that the light of the world did come, just as he said he would in all of those prophecies. And that's this dynamic between Christmas and Advent, right? At Christmas, we recognize the fulfillment of that promise, the witness of Christmas, the witness of the birth of Jesus. And this gives us hope as people who are waiting in this season of Advent. It gives us hope as once again, we become a people who must wait. Who wait often in times that feel like darkness or semi-darkness as we wait for the fulfillment of Jesus's promise to us. I will come back. He gives us the promise of light. He promises, we read these words in Revelation, he has promised, I will heal the nations. I will fully free you from the curse. I will fully free you from separation from me and from darkness. He gives us the promise that we will see his face and the fullness of his glory. And no longer will we need to work hard to remember God. He'll be right before our eyes. 
and no longer will we fight the darkness for all will be light. As the angel told John, the angel tells us these words are true and trustworthy and we are blessed to hold tight to them. This is our future. So the question for us this morning is how do we live in the presence of this future? A couple of years ago, our family took a boat trip through the mangroves of Mexico. We like to get in the actual sunlight as often as we can during the winter. And so go down there and took a boat ride through the mangroves. And as we turned around a corner, there was this bird sitting on this tree stump that had its wings kind of curled this way and was just standing there towards the sun. And as we kept going through those mangroves, we came across bird after bird who had their wings curved in and they were oriented towards the sun and they were taking a little sun bath. And it, I had this thought of, I resonated with those birds, right? Of needing to turn towards the sun and just receive its warmth. And that's become the spiritual image to me of what does it look like to be a waiting person, waiting for the promise of light and the spiritual image of turning towards it, finding moments where I could turn towards it. My other, you know, I work with kids now, so I have to do an object lesson. It's my object lesson. So birds in Mexico of turning towards the sun. This is what wakes me up in the morning these days during the dark Seattle winter. This is a little light that when you turn it, it magically turns on. But this light also, it has a feature where you can sort of turn it down and turn it up. And so when I wake up in the morning, this light slowly turns until this fake sun wakes me up in the morning. So those dark days when it doesn't get light, the sun maybe doesn't rise at all, it seems like, but certainly doesn't until, I don't know, 7, 7.30, when we're all driving to work in the darkness. I have this little artificial light that slowly rises each day. And it becomes this image to me of the light will come again, right? Even though it's dark, this creating of light helps remind me during this time of darkness. It's not the real thing, but it reminds me of the light. So I think these two ideas of these birds turning towards the sun and of finding ways to create light are these ideas of what our work looks like as a waiting people, as we wait in this season of darkness, as we wait in the, the not yet, in the already but not yet. How can we cultivate putting our trust in this promise of light. And I think in these two ways, right? We turn our face towards the sun. We turn our face towards the light of God. And we find habits and rhythms that remind us of the light. We make time for this every day. We make time for God to speak to us, for God to shine his light on us, for God to warm us with his light. I think we need to do this, and we need to remember, too, that our hope is not just in any light, but our hope is in the light of God. And I think as I saw this image, that was part of my sadness. Part of my sadness was knowing that likely what I would find in the words of this magazine were a hope that came from myself, 
right? An encouragement to do what I could to help myself. But really, ultimately, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot make the light. All we can do is receive the light of Christ and reflect it. You guys know I love Sarah Groves, so I couldn't talk without having a Sarah Groves song in here. Sarah wrote this song. It says, you are the sun. And the lyrics go, you are the sun shining down on everyone. And she is the moon. So she sings this song to God about how God is the sun and that we are the moon. And all we can do is reflect the light of the sun. The moon cannot generate its own light. When we look up at the, in the sky at the moon and it's bright and glowing, the moon has no light of its own. That beauty that we see, that light of the moon, is a reflection of the light of the sun. So God is the sun and we are the moon. We have no light of our own, but what we can do is receive the light of Christ and reflect that light to those around us. So we need to do this. We need to turn, take time every day to turn towards the warmth of God's sun, to allow it to reflect on us, to allow it to shine on us. As we think about this, the nature of the light of God is different than the nature of the light of the sun. And it's certainly different than my fake light, right? My artificial light. The words in John's revelation speak of the nature of God's light. What is God's light like and what does it do? God's light heals us. It brings life and empowers us. God's light also reveals. It shines on places of darkness, of sin in our life. It refines us. And our invitation, I think, as awaiting people in this time of Advent is to, as I said, to turn towards the light of God, to make space every day for God's light to shine on us, for God's light to fill us, to allow God's light to reflect off of us to the world around us, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors. In doing this, we hold tight to what Peter, also a waiting person, called the great and very precious promises of God. So Peter, like John, grew up waiting for the Messiah. He spent his childhood, he spent his teenage years waiting for this promised one. He walked with that light for about three years and then found himself waiting again. And Peter says two really profound things about this waiting. He says this, he says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Peter says also that God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I think this is the message for us. Don't give up. But the life-altering reality is also that the hand that we reach up to is the hand of God. And every day as we make time for the light of God to shine on us, to reveal places where we need to turn towards him. And each day we make time to receive all we need for life with God in the season of waiting, in the season of the already but the not yet, of living the reality of the presence of the future right now. And through this, we hold tight to the great and very precious promises of Jesus. As Jesus said in Revelation to John, he says to us, 
See, I am coming soon, and there will be no more night, no need for lamp or sun, for I, the Lord, will be their light. Jesus is the light of the world, and as he came at Christmas in the season of Advent, we lean into the promise that he will come again. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that your promises are very precious and they are very great. And they are promises that we can put our weight down on. Lord, thank you that you allow us to make space for questions and curiosity. You meet us in this season of Advent, that you meet us in this season of Advent with a sureness that you are present with us in the darkness and that you will come again, light of the world. Lord, thank you that you meet us every day as we turn towards you to receive the warmth of your light, to the, receive the refining that it brings to us, to receive the empowerment that it brings to our lives. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are present with us. And thank you that we have the sureness of your word to us. See, I am coming soon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.